guys, it's Rami. We're talking Minnesota sports five days a week on Score North Live. Available on Apple, Spotify, the Score North mobile app, or anywhere else you find podcasts. If you only have time to listen to one segment from today's show, here it is right now. Rami here, Manny on the other side of the glass, Mackie out, because he got a little too carried away with his gopher excitement. We brought in Matthew Collar for hour number two. How are you, Matthew? I mean, you know, undefeated gophers. That's pretty good. He called it the Rose Bowl, R-O-W-S. Rose Bowl for because they rode they oh, rode they rode the, row the okay, bow. Okay, yeah, fair enough to kick him so out. He had to go. He but, needed to exit the TCL broadcast studio. Aside from that, having uh, both Minnesota football squads doing well at the same time, a rare occurrence. Did you learn anything about the Vikings yesterday in that win? Anything? That's a, that's a good question. Um, I'm going to ask you it every Monday, so I'm yeah, glad you think it's yeah. a good question. No, I, well, all right, then it'll be a good question every Monday. Yeah, I don't think so. I, the issue that we have here that makes you a hater automatically online, but it has to be pointed out. It just has to. There's no way to talk about this recent stretch without mentioning that if you looked at the expected points added on past defense for the teams that the Vikings have beaten this year, to me, expected points added, it's very similar to DVOA for football outsiders, kind of gathers a lot of things and gives you a clearer picture as opposed to just yards. Sure. Because you could be killing teams, like the Saints are up 29-10 to 10 yesterday, and then, oh, Trubisky has his first good drive of the day. Well, congratulations. It doesn't mean anything. It doesn't mean the Saints defense particular fit. example up, yeah, well, but okay. Sorry, but that's all right. It's we, got not, some, we got some Bears vet. We don't need to do that. To Rami, no, that's like, all right. We, it's we'll not save going that particularly well for, for your squad. But anyway, they're part of the panic index, which we'll get to in segment number two here this hour. You have to mention that in the Vikings wins, the defenses that they faced in the best stat by my measure rank 32nd, 30th, 26th, 24th, and 22nd. I mean, they haven't beat a team in the top third of the league in pass defense yet so far. And the result. In part because I think that the difference between good teams and bad teams is wider than it has ever been. That the bad teams are unwatchable, unplayable, and there's a lot of them. The Atlantas of the world, uh, Detroit might be getting into that category, but especially the Washingtons, the Miamis, teams like that are Tampa. As yeah, well, as bad as they Tampa's shown some flashes, but, but they still get smoked by Daniel Jones, right? right? I mean, like the bad defenses are as bad as they've ever been. Philadelphia is falling into that category now, especially on the defensive side. And so it doesn't surprise me in a passing league that just keeps increasing quarterback numbers year after year after year. They just keep going up. If you look at cumulative quarterback rating through the history of the NFL, it's just going up and up and up, and that hasn't changed. It doesn't surprise me that a team with a very good quarterback, a ton of great weapons, goes against another team that cannot pressure the quarterback whatsoever and was... Uh, without their top corner for most of the game, it doesn't surprise me that they would throw all over them. It, that doesn't mean you can't give credit to Kevin Stefanski for Kirk Cousins for some really excellent, just purely excellent football throws, but you can also try to contextualize what they've done so far, who they've done it against, the circumstances in which Kirk Cousins is playing under, and I am going to write a piece later on tonight, but I've already... For scorenorth.com. For scorenorth.com. Free North website, app. free app. Just about how Kirk Cousins is not any different. Like, this is the same Kirk Cousins that has always existed. He's good at the same things he's always been good at. He has a smarter offense. He's had a very favorable schedule aside from two teams. And he's got mounds of weapons to work with. And this is a guy who nearly threw for 5,000 yards just a couple of years ago with Washington under very similar circumstances. So... 
I don't think anybody should be shocked or surprised or wowed necessarily by what he's done. It's This is Kirk Cousins. He has a very high highs. He has some very low lows. And that's what we've seen so far this season. This is this is Kirk Cousins and all the things that they did this offseason, drafting offensive players, drafting an offensive lineman in the first round, drafting a really darn good tight end in the second round. Irv Smith has been even better than I thought he would mm-hmm. be. Finding a, a receiver in the seventh who is surprisingly good, but if you draft enough seventh-round receivers, you'll eventually find one who's good. But putting a lot into the offensive side, signing a right guard, I'm... I mean, now they have one of the best groups of weapons in the NFL. They came into this season, ESPN, I believe, ranked them maybe fifth best for cumulative weapons around their quarterback. Yeah, this this is how it should work out when you play defenses that aren't that good. Is it possible, though, that it's more than just regular Kirk Cut? That this is the beginning of something different and bigger and better in the sense that... Coming into the season, it wasn't just Kirk Cousins that I had questions about. I know it's not just Kirk Cousins that you had questions about. This was an offensive line that was bad last year, revamped to a degree. You had new pieces like Irv Smith, B.C. Johnson getting a role in the offense this year. There there were a lot of questions coming into the season and a new offensive coordinator, a new offensive assistant, and implementing a whole new system. Is it possible that we're just seeing the pieces come together? I know you're saying we can't know that because of who they've gone against, amount of sample size that we have, but could this be the beginning of something different and bigger and better than we've seen from not just Kirk Cousins, but the Vikings offense? And that one is the very difficult question to answer because... I don't know if they're going to go to Dallas and play this way when Dallas has a very good defense and a home field advantage. I don't know, even though Seattle's weaker than they used to be on defense, but I don't know if under the bright lights of Monday Night Football that Kirk Cousins is going to go to Seattle and be able to beat Russell Wilson in a huge game there that could ultimately determine wild card seeding or something like that. That's hard to say. I think to be convinced that things are much different that Kirk Cousins is doing something different than he's ever done, which, by the way, he will tell you he's not. I mean, right. Cousins has said right. several times, he said that he's played a little bit frustrated or angry after the situation with Chicago, but, I mean, aside from that, he says every week he goes through the game plan, he has the same process, he's making the same great throws that he made before. I mean, it, this is why... I. It it really shows you just how small sample sizes, schedule, circumstances, play callers, all those things, they have a huge effect on a number of quarterbacks in the NFL. And all the time we're trying to rank them, we're trying to say, ah, I believed in that guy, so I was right and you were wrong and all those things. But these <laughs> quarterbacks have these same issues all the time. And uh, Steve Palazzolo from PFF had a great tweet today where he was talking about Wentz, uh, Prescott and Goff, and how if you go by their PFF rankings year by year, it starts out with Dak being the best, Goff being the worst, Wentz in the middle. That's what it currently is, but in 2017 and 18, those rankings were different. So you have these three quarterbacks who all have their strengths and weaknesses, much like Kirk Cousins, whose um, grades and their stats and everything else have varied pretty wildly depending on their circumstance because they're quarterbacks who are very much impacted by their circumstance. I mean, Aaron Rodgers, as washed as he may be, did not look so yesterday, that's for sure. <laughs> we'll get um, to that later in the hour. And, but but uh, with Rodgers, though, I mean, he's a good example of a guy who has so much talent 
and this has been for his entire career, that things can go wrong and it just doesn't matter. And he, as you know, receivers get injured, guys are out, guys are playing at half speed, it, and he can make throws that very few other people can can make. And him, Patrick Mahomes, Drew Brees, there are certain quarterbacks who are capable of overcoming almost any circumstance, and they're going to be one of the best. Tom sure. Brady, obviously, yeah. one of the best. Tom Brady will lose his left tackle or something, and it won't matter. You'll be like, what? He'll lose Rob Gronkowski, and it won't matter. Like, how, how does this happen? Well, it's because he's better than everybody else. In the middle is a lot of guys who can absolutely win when things go their way. And Kirk Cousins, and Kirk Cousins is, is one of those guys. He's the poster boy for this, I think. Speaking of I was right, you were wrong. Mackie and I were talking about this in the first hour. A lot of people pointing out maybe that in retrospect we were overreacting when things were not going this well for the Minnesota Vikings. Mm-hmm. Looking back on it, was there anything that you were overreacting to? Because I said there was, on my own part, I can't speak for anybody else, on my own part, some overreaction in the sense that what I was just talking about, that this was going to be a process because there were so many new and moving parts. When you bring in Stefanski, you bring in Kubiak, you change three-fifths of your offensive line. You have a, a few different guys on the offense who are either rookies or, or picking up this, picking up a brand-new system. We should have known that there there would be growing pains and this was going to be a process, and maybe we expected too much of a finished product early in the season, but where we didn't overreact, and I still don't think that you can say all the questions have been answered because somewhat of a small sample size, as you're pointing out, against some subpar defenses, but... Where we didn't overreact is when all hell is breaking loose and there is chaos in your practice facility when both receivers mm-hmm. are calling out your quarterback. The quarterback is apologizing. Your star receiver isn't showing up to work for a couple of days, may or may not have demanded to be tra- traded, is fined $200,000, isn't happy with his role in the offense. Things could have gone really, really bad from where they were. It wasn't just a two and three start. It was a ugly and and spiraling two and three start for this Vikings team. And I think a lot of the panic around that from those of us in the media was warranted. I don't know what you're doing. Two and two. Two and two? Yeah, two and two. What is that? Mean? Uh they were two and two, not two. Oh, two and three. And three. My that's, bad. Yeah. Okay. All right. <laughs> Look at the records, Rami. <laughs> My uh, bad. No, it's okay. Um so to your point though well, what would constitute an overreaction at that time? If you said, boy, Kirk Cousins, if you believe he can't go and win a big game against a good defense, then he just proved you right again. And if you said, you know what? The tension is extremely high in this building right now because people know how talented the team is, and if they don't maximize it this year, heads are going to roll. If you said that... Stephon Diggs being as upset as he was to skip practice is a really bad sign for your head coach, for your general manager, for your quarterback, for everybody, for your offensive coordinator, for your offensive assistant, or whatever the hell Gary does. Like, if you said those things, how could you be wrong? I mean, how how at that time could you possibly be thinking, like, no, man, I'm thinking they're setting records the next three weeks. Like, not if <laughs> now, at the same time, I would say, since this isn't uh, my first run through a wild NFL season, in fact, every season is like this with the Vikings, I picked the Vikings in each of the last three games to definitively win. <laughs> because, And I thought this would be a, a better test, and, and I, honestly, it was. Like The Lions are in that for most of the game, and they have a good offense, but when they're top 
nose tackle goes down and their shutdown corner goes down, it's not a surprise to see someone throw all over them. But I assumed that Kirk Cousins would do what Kirk Cousins has always done, which is when he goes up against a defense that blows, he lights them on fire. This guy has always done that. I did a piece a few weeks ago called, Can Kirk Cousins Beat an Elite Defense? That was before the Chicago game. The answer was no, and the answer is he never does. And that's where okay, something might be different or the circumstances might be good enough to overcome a top defense. Um, but until then, until we see those until types of Until we see games, him beat an elite defense. Yeah, then it's probably going to be something has changed. a lot of the same. And, and I guess just to your point, when they're 500 and they've lost two of the games against the NFC North, that's bad. And the way they lost them was because of their quarterback entirely. He throws an interception at the end of the Green Bay game when handing off to Delvin Cook wins the game. Against Chicago, they hold them to 16 points, and he can't get past that. When other teams, <clears throat> Teddy Bridgewater and the Saints, can, can go to Chicago. We'll get to it, all right. Can go to we'll Chicago. Get to it. Now, so when I think of these like old takes exposed and things like that, you've seen that Twitter. Mm-hmm. I think it has to pass a threshold of ridiculousness. Let's call it that. Let's call it the threshold of ridiculousness. All right? So I'll, I'll give you an example. Okay. I'll give you my most old takes exposed that I still think wasn't ridiculous. I wrote an article once when I was doing freelance hockey work for ESPN about how the Pittsburgh Pirates, Penguins, Pittsburgh Penguins, should consider trading Evgeny Malkin and Sidney Crosby. Okay. Because things were so down with them, and their numbers over the three years before that had fallen. They hadn't won a cup in a long time, and it just looked like they were never going to be the same again. And if you can get a bunch of assets back, imagine what someone would give up for Sidney Crosby, then you should do it because this team can't win the Stanley Cup. Well, right after that, they fired their coach. They got a new coach who was much better. They traded for a bunch of players that it was stunning that they could go get. And then they won two Stanley Cups. But the process at the time and the numbers pointed to, you know, these guys are reaching an age where they're not going to bounce back and get better. Right. And they did, and they surprised me because sometimes life and sports are unpredictable. I don't think that's like an old take exposed. I think that's, well, that turned out differently than I expected. If, My, there's, if there's sound logic and reason to your take or prediction, then it can't be old takes exposed? Is that what you're yeah, saying? then it's not ridiculous to say that, you know, it, a quarterback in Kirk Cousins who has never won a playoff game in his years of starting, who's never really been over 500, unless you play the nitpicky 871 is over 500, uh, you know, right? But aside, but aside from that, if your logic after that Chicago game was, oh man, like this, this is more proof that I don't think this guy can take this team to where they should be, which is in the playoffs, in the NFC Championship, they have that much talent, that good of coaching staff, so on. If that was your take, then it's not old take exposed that he beat the Giants and that he beat the the Lions and he beat the Eagles. Those are bad teams with bad defenses. And he should because they're a great team. So I, I guess I feel like we need to to meet this. Now, good example on our TV. Our Lamar, TCL. TCL. Smart TV. Yeah. Yes. Lamar Jackson right now. Mm-hmm. Watching him. Watch him run all over everybody. Yeah. Watch him be great at football. He's really good. Now, if you said Lamar Jackson should be a wide receiver. Or a running back. Or running back. Uh Uh-huh. You deserve all the old takes exposed. That's preposterous. He was a great (laughs) college quarterback. That is who it was. I was trying to remember who it was. Bill Polian. You deserve to be set on fire (laughs) because 
that take didn't make any sense and was probably racist. So yes, you deserve everyone that going after harsh. you. Set on fire? That seems very set harsh. Set on fire. All right. Yes. If yes. you insist. I mean, metaphorically. We'll set Bill Pullian on fire. See what I mean? That's the threshold of ridiculousness. Lamar Jackson was a first-round caliber quarterback who was a dominant college player at a pretty mediocre program, had the character, the makeup, the intelligence, played an NFL system, would go through his progressions in college. I watched a ton of this guy. I was like, man, he's good. And everybody who pays close attention to the draft, who's smart about it, all said, there's no possible reason in this world to ask this person, aside from being a black running quarterback, to do anything but be an NFL quarterback. It's like NFL Network is producing their segment right along with ours, because now up on our TCL Smart TV is Aaron Rodgers in the locker room celebrating six touchdowns with his teammates, five through the air and one on the ground. Is our Aaron Rodgers is wash take on Friday here on Score North Live? Does that pass the ridiculousness threshold to get old takes exposed? Well, I'm going to say no because it's based on facts. Three years of data. Yeah, and and look, if he it is against the Raiders, by the way. Sure, but uh, look, if he has an MVP season and they go 14 and two, and he has PFF grades that match his grades from 2014, and he throws for 5,000 yards and everything else, then, well, I guess he wasn't washed. But all the data pointed to him being washed. But that's the thing with sports is that sometimes circumstances change. You change coaches in the offseason. Well, that's an uh, unpredictable thing. You don't know whether Matt LaFleur's offense is going to work for this guy or not. And he wouldn't be the first quarterback to see uh, his career take an uptick again in his mid to late 30s. Brett Favre did it. Peyton Manning did it. John Elway. John Elway did it. Mm -hmm. We've seen, like, I mean, Tom Brady never had much of a dip to speak of, but we've seen guys who their career has taken the track that Aaron Rodgers did, and something happened. They ended up with the right coach, right pieces around them, and we saw the arrow point back up on them in their mid to late 30s. So that could happen with Aaron Rodgers. And the reason that I get frustrated by this is it's one of my favorite things in the world to figure out why stuff in sports happened that we didn't think was going to happen. Like why, just the the all-timer might be, why did Tom Brady become the best quarterback of all time when every team passed on him five times at least, and sometimes six? How does that happen? Well, I guess the guy who wrote for Draft Magazine in whatever year he was drafted, who said he's not the best quarterback of all time, is a complete idiot, right? Like, even even though he looked like you in his NFL Combine, it was just like, you know, I mean, this is the thing. It's, it, it, I think that what like what's happened with the Vikings and their offensive turnaround is going to be really fascinating to pick apart, and also. A great conversation to say, is anything different? Can we predict now how he's going to play at at Dallas? Can we predict now how he's going to play in the playoffs? Is there something different about him? You know, All that's great conversations, and I think it just gets muddied with this complete idiocy of people yelling at you saying, I demand apologies for sports opinions. Like, what? What? Then what good does that do? Forget what Tom Brady did athletically or physically at the NFL scouting combine. What is going on with his face? Since the NFL scouting combine. That that his face is he's Benjamin buttoning us. I don't know that's not even you, possible. Um, that's not even possible. There has to be surgery involved, right? I explained to you the uh tiny desk concerts. Yes. Um Taylor Swift did one. Yeah. Just say those cheeks are pretty high. 
a little higher than they were even when uh, Taylor Swift was like a teenager. Like Tom Brady's... Seems a little his, uh, curious. His jaw and chin are getting more defined and chiseled as he gets older. And I'm a, I am lost 135 pounds. My face didn't get any more <laughs> chiseled or defined. I still have a fat... Round face. What is Tom Brady doing? The avocado ice cream to man, Benjamin Button us all. Yeah. It can't be avocado ice cream. No, I've, uh, I think it's avocado it's, ice cream, man. This makes me mad. Hey, you know I don't who, know if you noticed, but this makes me mad. You know who's just like that? Who and, and had a ton of surgery is everyone's favorite guy here, Joe Buck. Like Joe Buck, he'll tell you about look, it. Yes. Though he will. Yeah, yeah he will. Yeah. I'm just saying. I think Tom Brady has uh, probably. You think he's had some work done? It could be. I hope so. If if not. <laughs> Somebody told me a story about Brady, and I forget who it was, about how um, Brady was at some other player's wedding in, like, Hawaii or some island that would cost a lot of money to have your wedding there. And everybody stayed out late and, you know, party deep into night and everything else. And they were still up partying and saw Brady at 4.30 or 5 in the morning out with his trainer on the beach Throwing okay. footballs and running. Like, I'm sure he works hard and prob- makes sacrifices and all too. that, but still. It's probably that, too. Like, I just, that would keep up your performance. That doesn't keep your face, that doesn't make your face continually get younger and more chiseled looking. Hey, look at LeBron James. LeBron James had the hair, did the hair, hair back. Yeah, he, did, he, grew, <laughs> he, he fixed his hairline. That's right. He was trying to cover it up with a headband. Uh, my, <laughs> my face actually did get thinner when I lost weight. It did? Yeah, no, that really happened. Why didn't like, I get that? I don't know. If I showed you a picture from, like, mm, 2008 or so, there was, like, an... I mean, my face like, my face did get thinner. like Mostly in the chin area. Now I, there's one chin as I had, opposed to two. I had three, maybe four chins, depending what day you caught me on. <laughs> now I'm down to, like, one and a half. We'll so my, my face well, did get thinner, but, I think like... you're a single chinner. But not anymore <laughs> chiseled. Like, his chin, like his chin is oh, yeah. chiseled. He's, his face is carved from stone. Yeah, I think it's carved. Okay. All right. That makes me feel better. I'm glad we spent a lot of time on this. He needs surgery to look the way that he does. As if you're that concerned with the looks. (laughs)